there are times when you're, you're just sitting there, things are all going wrong, and you've got a producer talking to you, you've got a camera in your face, and you just want to tell people to just leave me alone, I just want to deal with this by myself. But you can't, because they have to capture every single moment. It gets better, because it has to get better. Hello, you are listening to the Made of Human podcast. I am Sophie Hagen. I'm your host. I'm a Danish stand-up comedian that should explain the strange accent. Um, this is uh, <laughs> the episode with Ralph Bensal. Now, he's a bit of a special guest because um, he's not like most people I interview. Uh, some of you will know that <laughs> I'm in a... Oh, I'll just explain the background noise. Uh, it's My window is open because it's so hot in London that I'm sweating from every single orifice possible. And uh, so there's a busy London street outside of my window. That's the background noise. I hope we'll all... Um... Oh, oh, I just broke my lamp. Oh, this is great. <laughs> anyway, this is such a authentic podcast that I will take you through me fiddling with my lamp and then destroying it great now uh, the reason why Rav is a special guest is because well I had a, a bit of a um, tiny mental breakdown where all I could watch and do was I could only watch the great British bake off and I could only just bake and I don't bake like but I tried I really tried so for a few weeks I was just baking and baking and watching great British bake off and Ralph was one of the contestants uh, and I reached out to him because I have a, I had a lot of questions about baking. <laughs> so I met I met with him and we recorded this episode and he turned out to be, you know, absolutely perfect for the podcast. Uh, I just I've just never had a baker before or a chef. I don't know what the real I should have asked him what his official title was. Uh, so I think you'll absolutely love him. Uh, I'm really, really, really happy with this episode. It was really fun to do. And Rav is just wonderful. So. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy that. Before I let you listen to it, I just quickly want to say go to sophiehagen.com where you can sign up for my newsletter or buy any of my stand-up shows. You can see where I'm performing. Uh, Madeofhumanpodcast.com is uh, the website where you can sign up for the podcast's newsletter and uh, you can uh, buy t-shirts or donate uh, via PayPal if you want to give some money to it. So go to the websites. And um, yeah, now I just want you to enjoy this episode with the the fantastic Ralph Bansal. So, uh, for those who might not know who you are, do you want to do like a quick introduction? Sure. Well, my name is Ralph Bansal. I am a baker and food blogger and soon-to-be podcaster. Um, <laughs> and I'm based in London. And um, some of you may remember me from a tiny show that no one's ever heard of called The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> was only watched by like 13 million people each week not that big of a deal <laughs> uh, yeah and that's me and now I bake cakes was that on your mind when you did the bake off when you were like what's it called Need- needing is that what Need- it's called yeah needing? Okay. second language that's, <laughs> yeah. my, that's my excuse would you think in the back of your head oh, there's going to be 13 million people watching this um, when you're in the moment no because your mind is completely focused on your task and as soon as you start letting your mind wander, that's when you start making mistakes. So, no, I wasn't thinking about how many viewers are watching. I knew that it was a big show because um, I've been a fan of the show since the beginning and I've only seen it get um, a lot more hype, I guess, over the years. So I knew it was a big deal. But in terms of actually when you're in the moment, that's the last thing on your mind. Okay, that's... <laughs> is that good? Like, would you have panicked if you'd been thinking about it? Or are you good with pressure? Well, funnily enough, during the show, no, it didn't, it didn't even enter my mind. But it was kind of after when we had filmed the show and there was that cooling down period before the show was going to air because the whole show is filmed months in advance before airing. And once we're no longer on set and we're kind of having to integrate back into normal life with this huge secret that we've had to keep... And that's when the anxiety starts to come in because you can't talk to anyone about it. And you, I, I know for sure. I mean, I was emailing the our handlers um, on a regular basis talking about, oh my God, is this the right decision that I've made? What if this destroys my career? What if I come across really badly? And of course, that was just me being dramatic. But 
this was the first time that I was on television, so I didn't know what the expectation or what the outcome was going to be. So um, it was it was definite that was the panic moment. There it was kind of after filming and before airing. Did you then watch it when it came out, or were you just like, just closed your eyes and pretended? Well. I was excited to be a part of it and I think because we had such a great support system amongst us like um, the other 11 bakers as well as the team behind uh, the production team they were kind of able to manage the panic a bit so when it came to airing you can just kind of sit back and watch it with your family it was no longer a secret um, but being on TV I mean I'm sure you've experienced it, it kind of brings a whole layer of pressure with all of these eyes suddenly watching you and all of these opinions. Um, so that was quite difficult to kind of navigate initially. Yeah, what, so what was the... I was about to say backlash, because that's... <laughs> those, those are the types of people I speak to, people who only get backlash, not feedback. So yeah. what was the reaction you got from people? You well, kind of, I mean, from everyone I've spoken to, you came across very well. Like, I don't know well, anyone who don't like you but I also know the internet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know the internet very well but I think that's the thing uh, with the internet people can express whatever opinion they want and they and, the, and they certainly do <laughs> because there's a anonymity I guess uh, but I think I expected there to be some reaction to the fact that I was a brown person wearing a turban on a show that's got Britain British in the title because I knew that the previous year Nadia had won the show and she had received quite heavy criticism for the fact that she's a Muslim woman who won a show called The Great British Bake Off. Mm. So I had kind of prepared myself for at least some degree of racist uh, opinions or bigoted opinions. Um, but actually, Bake Off fans are the nicest people in the world. Oh, that's <laughs> they are really sweet and they, they just want to watch people bake in a tent. And I think that's very representative of the kind of people that they have actually on the show because it's not like other competition reality shows. It's very much a group of nice people baking in a tent. That's what it is. Uh, but you do, you do get the odd reaction from people. I mean, I remember... <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, some of the racist things were the things that kind of really bothered me yeah. because it's 20, it was 2016 when I was first on the show and you just don't expect it because even though I've had some degree of racism come my way when I was growing up kind of to have it on that scale was kind of shocking initially but also after the first few times it happened it kind of was like oh this just comes with the territory the i don't know these people <laughs> like who really cares ultimately so what do you know why there was a difference between like the racism you were used to i guess like when you grew up and then the i guess twitter <laughs> racism is it different kinds like when people are behind screens or when people are in your life um i think I, well, I think both are bad, you know, both are unacceptable, of course. But I just, I don't know. I just think I was just surprised about why people were so passionate about a TV show that they would actually come on my timeline and say the things that they do. Mm. I think that was the confusing thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's no justification for it, is it? So. No, but <laughs> there is a degree of... Because I know when you're under attack part of you does start to wonder like what is what like why <laughs> why, why do people uh, I, I, I mean I always try to kind of imagine them like what makes a person like my favorite example is trying to imagine just like a happy family man yeah. who's like having dinner with his entire his two yeah. children and his wife and they're all having a great time laughing and loving it. and then he's like oh just jump to the basement and then he just goes you fucking bitch because yeah. you can't imagine that like it's 100% someone who's so sad it's, it's people who are deflecting their own insecurities onto other people for sure I mean that's the image that I have but I mean I call them e-warriors I mean they, they only yeah. grow a pair of balls when they're behind a, a computer screen because they wouldn't some of the things that they, I'm sure they would never say that to your face or to my face or to anyone who they see mm. in the public eye um but I think also, I mean, it's a lot easier to deal with that because they are just anonymous. I mean, how much of an effect is it really yeah. for me? Because I, but I think I am able to kind of deal with it because I know that there have been people on the show who haven't been able to deal with it and it has been a 
a, quite a contentious issue for them to have to deal with such criticism. Yeah. Because when you think of the show, you don't think of... I mean, no one's doing anything bad to warrant the, a reaction. It's the most heartwarming, wholesome show yeah. in the whole world. It, I mean, often when you try to, to explain what the concept of the show is to people that have never seen it before, they're often confused about why that would be yeah. such a popular show. Why it's entertaining, why you would care. Yeah, I and mean... And when you start watching it, you're like, holy shit. It, I, I know, I, <laughs> But I, I think it's testament to creating a show that isn't... Even though it's a competition, there's no competitive nature amongst the contestants. We're literally there because we enjoy baking. Yeah. And we, we have this fantastic opportunity to bake for two of the most renowned bakers in the country. Uh, because I, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. So I don't see where the difficulty is for people to understand that that's exactly what it is and there's nothing more to it. I've met a few people who were very confused why I was crying because someone baked a very nice cake. <laughs> <laughs> they baked a nice cake? Yeah. Oh, yeah, when people, because people will cry because yeah. they're happy that they made something good and they got a compliment and yeah. they're living their dream and you're just like, oh, my God, this is so good. Because when you think about baking, people bake because they want to please other people. Well, that's what I do. I, I, I know a lot of people say that people bake with love. I mean, I... I the thing that I really look forward to is someone biting into something that I've made and them saying that they love it or they, I've never tasted this before, it's so delicious. That's the kind of thing that, that's the reason why I, I bake. And so when people don't get that reaction from the judges, of course you're going to feel for them. Um, and when you kind of see them triumph, when you think things are going to go a certain way, things don't seem to be going very well for them and then they manage to pull it out. And of course, I'm speaking from my own experience. <laughs> I think I can understand why viewers will then connect with that person because it's, even though it is just baking, there's, I'm sure people can identify with kind of struggling with an issue, but then managing to overcome it, even if it is wrapped up in a bake-off bubble. Yeah. So what, I mean, I, was just, I just really want to know all the secrets that you're not allowed to tell. It depends what secrets you want to know. I want to know all the secrets. I want to know the behind-the-camera stuff. Like what goes? What, what would you most? Was there? Has there been anything where you thought, I wish, I wish people knew this thing, or like? Um, well, first of all, in terms of actually being on set, it's it's not as. I mean, it's it's pretty much chaotic because behind the scenes there are many cameramen sound guys there are people cleaners who want to you have to clean up every single thing that you've used washers behind the scene there's it, it, it can seem to be very chaotic and often it's surprising to think that there's so many people in that tent but they still only manage to capture the contestants and the hosts and the judges uh, i think that's that's pretty amazing as a viewer to kind of look out for uh, but in terms of like characteristics i mean i i think pretty much everyone on the show got a fair depiction of who they are in real life of course it's a show that's filmed over two days that turns into an hour show so you're not going to see everything um, but there are certain things I mean recently when I did the festive edition earlier this year there was a whole issue we had to make um, these bomb Alaska tarts which involved making your own ice cream but one thing they didn't show was that my ice cream machine broke down and obviously so my ice cream ended up being soup but that that didn't come that wasn't showed on the screen so now I was thinking oh, everybody's going to think that I'm a rubbish ice cream maker now because my machine broke but hey ho I mean it still came across pretty well and I won it so I can't really complain but that's quite it's because that's one of the things I remember from watching it it was like when and when like a machinery or something didn't work mm-hmm. I mean, I've never been so... I'm going to write emails to everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. not fair. It isn't fair, but I think... I, I guess it kind of adds to the drama, I guess, of a show. Because it's a yeah. TV show at the end of the day. They yeah. need those ebbs and flows. They need those reactions from people. Um, I mean, there are times when you're, you're just sitting there things are all going wrong and you've got a producer talking to you you've got a camera in your face and you just want to tell people to just leave me alone I just want to deal with this by myself but you can't because they have to capture every single moment what, what, what happened when you like when it was over for you and you came home mm-hmm. and you were just like in your own kitchen what, what was the feeling you had then was it like a yeah what was the feeling for me personally it was I was relieved that it was over in terms of the filming because when you're on a show like that it literally takes over your whole life um and plus you're working full-time and you're having to fit in all of your practice sessions and it literally takes over your life and so once that was all over yes it was disappointing to be kicked off but 
actually you had no longer had that pressure anymore you can just relax and enjoy baking because I think when you're doing something all the time constantly you can get bored of it and I remember after filming Bake Off in 2016 I just took a break from baking I didn't want didn't want to see a cake didn't want to see bread I just I was sick of it (laughs) but it, it took me a while to kind of get back into that routine because you know I'm sure every person that goes on a show bakes because it's something that they enjoy doing but I think going through something like that can certainly I'm sure put people off for life (laughs) was it then when you did start baking again did you have little like like PTSD like like little uh, oh no oh it's not Paul no it's just I think it was just a relief that this was not going to be judged yeah this was just going to be something that I can make and I know that people are going to enjoy it because they're not looking for the most minute detail that they're going to pick up on they're just it, it was just kind of great to kind of be back in your own environment baking, not having to worry about the pressures of Mary and Paul or Prue and Paul now, shall I say? Oh yeah, it's changed, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> so is Paul Hollywood, does, is he depicted the way he is? Like, is he terrifying? Or is it like when the cameras are off, he gives you a cuddle? Do you want the truth? I really want the truth. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to come out and say I'm not the biggest fan of Paul Hollywood. Oh, God. <laughs> not, not because, you know, I, I think he's a horrible person, but I think... I think when you go into a show like that, I've been a fan of the show since the beginning. You kind of, I kind of had this idea of what he would be like, and this is going to sound really harsh, but I guess we're slightly disappointed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I think I've said too much. <laughs> I don't think you have. Yeah, it's it's because he's such a villain on the show, mm. but in the most British way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I I think that everything that he says is constructive. I don't think he says anything deliberately to be mean. Um, anything that I, I mean, I used to try and take up on take on board his criticism and use it for my next bake or whatever. So I I don't think that he does it deliberately to be mean. Um, but as soon as the cameras are, st- are not rolling, he, he, I think he's a bit of an introvert, really. Mm. He kind of puts on this bravado for the camera. But really, I think he's he's pretty low-key. I think that's what... I think I was expecting him to be more, like, yeah. animated when the cameras were not rolling, too. I think that was... I think it was a bit harsh for me to say that I'm not a fan of his. But <laughs> I, I would You're say that... You're a fan that, of his work, not his personality. Ex- there you go. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I just want to... So it's obviously. Have you ever? Have you had to ever like cover something up that they were like, oh well, you no none of you could make that thing. So we'll just start over and have you make another thing. What during Has there filming? Been any, like huge uh, cover-ups, um, like conspiracies. Well, weirdly, the camera manages to capture everything. So I think even if you did try, someone will pick up on it, and then they will come back to you and say, oh, what is it? What's that thing doing in the bin there? And then you have to explain it on camera. Because there's always someone watching you. If it's not a camera, it's a producer. And so they pick up on everything. So there's there's nothing to, that you can hide, unfortunately. <laughs> so what's <laughs> happened since? Like, what are you... So uh, being on a show like that, of course, opens up many doors of opportunity. Um, and one of the things that I'm really proud of is I often get invited around the country to talk about a number of different things. It can be pretty random. Um, often it's, let's talk about, I don't know, how to make the perfect Victoria sponge. But... Other things that, you know, I might get asked to be a part of a panel that's talking about race and gender. Um, And I think travelling around the country and seeing different perspectives and meeting different people, I think that's been the best thing since leaving Bake Off. Like I said, Bake Off fans are really wonderful. (laughs) Um, They really do love an opportunity to kind of... I mean, just like you, they want to know all of the secrets as soon as they have you in front of you. (laughs) They want to know exactly what the judges are like, what the experience is like, what the audition process is like. They want to know everything. Um, But for me, I'm still very passionate about food. I'm constantly developing new recipes. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I'm working on a podcast. It's a food podcast. Um, But for me, I, I want to celebrate a more diverse face, I guess, of food because... Through my experience over the last two years, the food industry is very white middle class. And with people of colour, it's kind of like a one-in, one-out thing. Um, There's just one black chef that's given, you know, all of the opportunities, or there's just one Indian chef that's given the opportunities. And 
I have learned not to rely on anybody else. So for me, it's about creating my own content. And through my podcast, I really want to give a voice to those people who I feel so don't get that opportunity. Um, because I've said it many times on Twitter, representation is very important. I mean, the amount of times I would receive emails or people just randomly coming up to me on the street to say, it's great to see somebody that looks like you on television or somebody that looks like my son on television. Uh, it's really important. And I think one of the things that I really struggle with is people often want to have a discussion about diversity and inclusion, but actually implementing it is a whole other thing. Where people, okay, we, we've had a discussion, therefore we've done what we needed to needed to do. But people don't actually actively want to include it in their organisation or whatever. And that's quite disappointing and disheartening at times as somebody who is a person of colour. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about celebrating differences amongst people. And that's the kind of message that I hope to bring across the work that I'm doing now and in the future, hopefully. Was it on your mind when you went on the show did you have it in the back of your head that you wanted to start working on this or doing the talks about race and gender and uh, no not at all I literally just went on the show because I love baking I didn't have any anticipation of what would happen next uh, I was quite happy to just go back to my regular routine but getting these opportunities I think has been I think it's great I mean who wouldn't do the things that I mean that you benefit from being on TV why not Uh, but I think because I've been given this platform, I feel as though I have a responsibility to do good with it, whether it be talking about representation or whatever. But I don't know. I think it's an opportunity to do something great as far as I'm concerned. And I'm trying my hardest to kind of get that message across. As difficult as it may be, as many doors that have been closed in my face, as many times people have said, yes, we'll work with you, but then they start ghosting you. Um, I think it's all worth it because ultimately... I think there's something bigger and more important uh, through the work that I'm doing and will continue to do. And all because of baking. All because of it's baking. So nice. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so nice. It is, it is. But I think like, not just in baking, I think it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I think it's important to see and see diverse faces and diverse voices being highlighted and being elevated um, not through any special treatment but just by giving opportunity you'll see that actually there are some really interesting flavorful people out there who deserve to be given opportunities not have to work twice as hard to get those opportunities yeah and then at the same time <laughs> we have someone like Jamie Oliver who still somehow exists you don't like Jamie Oliver <laughs> no Fun no, fact, do you remember a few years ago, I mean, do you remember his, like, school dinners thing that he did? Yeah. That was filmed in my school. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So I was in sixth form when they were filming that for Channel 4. And I... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had to be near that gruesome man. You don't... What is it about him that you don't like? I'm it's, intrigued now. It's just so... It's so classist and so fatphobic and mm. so, like... Oh, we should just uh, make all uh, unhealthy food really expensive. Yeah. And that's not a solution. It just means <laughs> a lot of people are really hungry now. Like. Yeah. But also, I, th I just think that whole thing was like, it's kind of making people out to just be stupid, that they don't yeah. know how to make decisions. Like, it's, yeah. it's kind of saying, well, I'm, I'm the authority here, and I'm going to tell you exactly what needs to be done. And therefore, let's go to parliament and influence change <laughs> but then again i'm sure he's helped many people too okay. i mean I, i was a big fan of his american food revolution though i don't know if you oh, ever watched it you mean, haven't. that was pretty to be good. fair i shouldn't have entered this battle about food <laughs> when i don't have the right information i just know that i've gone to his restaurants a few times and they have a charge extra charge on anything that has sugar in it so you Dude, pay i've like never been to a jamie on And it'll then go to like a school for fat children or something. That makes me so angry. It makes me so angry. Such a virtue signaling. It is. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not a fan. Not so a fan what chef do you like then? You know, all the, the other ones. <laughs> all of the other ones except for Jamie Oliver. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I've enough. never been asked that question in my entire <laughs> life. What chefs do you like? <laughs> like, because we, like, my 
like food was never a thing in my house ever mm. my mom was so like working class didn't we literally had um, salt and pepper as the only like uh, spices <laughs> okay. nothing else like when we were when my sister turned 18 mm -hmm. we like forced my mom to buy like basil and oregano yeah because like she didn't know that anything but salt and pepper existed so like And that's part of the reason when I started watching Bake Off is just this my mind was just expanding a yeah. second like oh my god <laughs> there's so many kinds of food <laughs> there are what's the use it <laughs> you can do things and there's a reason why you do things and it yeah. was kind of a I think one of the things about Bake Off that I will always give credit for is that actually they have given opportunities to all different types of people that represent Britain and through that you get to see all these different types of foods and these different flavours that are often influenced by their own childhood and the foods that they grew up with and introducing those to the British public I think is, is great to see as a viewer and somebody who has been on the show. I remember there was a moment and I don't because I watched all of it in a day so I don't know who was in one what season. <laughs> okay. I remember there was a moment with a guy who had used or oh, got some kind of um, some kind of vanilla that wasn't like the right kind of vanilla and then the judges said something like oh why haven't you used the more you know original blah, 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 organic blah, blah. and he just said oh we could never afford that in my house and it was like you could hear all of Britain go <laughs> well actually that's a, that's a good point though because I mean if you've never worked with this organic vanilla I mean, when you're on a show like that, you want to stick to the things that you know. Yeah. And so if you're using vanilla essence instead of vanilla extract, I think, I think fair enough. Yeah, and it's the, it's the kind of, you know, and I'm not saying this, it's, it is like intentionally snobbish, mm -hmm. but it is that when you, have, you realize you've said something that makes you sound mm -hmm. uh, uh, very privileged <laughs> and then to someone to just go, you know, that's not for everyone, right? Like we've not all had our own garden yeah. in the, <laughs> it's we could grow these things yeah. ourselves. Hey. I, I think with a show like Bake Off, it's it's not. How can I say this without? Hmm. I'm trying to put it in in a very, in a very polite way. I'm very excited. Um, so everybody, I don't know if I can say that because I've signed a contract. Well, I'll say this. I think what I learned. Because I'm not from, I'm from Denmark, so I'm mm. not from this, I'm still trying to learn yeah. about the culture. And from what I've learned more about the UK from watching that show than I have for, by living here for five years. Mm -hmm. Just because of the, you can tell who they make the show for. Okay. You can tell like who they cater to. And it's so, the amount that I've learned, also from the little history things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating country. And it it's is. a fascinating viewership. Yeah. you really learn that there are some people sitting in other villages and this is another thing to them it is but also Bake Off is huge all over the world so yeah. the show is on Netflix pretty much everywhere um, I remember when the show started to air in, on PBS in America all of a sudden there's this influx of Americans who have this weird fascination with everything British <laughs> And they love it because all of the competition shows in America are very dramatic. They're always like, you know, putting one contestant against the other. Um, whereas ba I think a lot of internationally people appreciate the kind of calmer nature of the show. It's like a fascinating of it because it, it's the same with um, Danish film noir and mm. Danish crime series. Yeah. Like no one in Denmark really cares about them. But then I moved here, and everyone's like, Everyone loves have you seen it. The Killing and The Bridge? And I was like, no, I haven't, but I guess I'll have to. <laughs> Just to have a conversation with you, I'll have to watch it. So, did you find a polite way of saying what you... I've forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> no, is the answer. I think I'll keep that to myself. Absolutely. For now. So, what's the most... Uh, what's the question you're asked the most about... What's the, what's the most the question you're tired of now being asked? Uh, what are you up to now? <laughs> that, I asked you that. No, I think when <laughs> when people meet you, that's often the first thing that they would ask. Oh, hi! What are you up to now? Oh, you're on Bake Off. What are you up to now? Oh, so do you think this... they're asking something else? Do you think they're like, how can you? I how can you sustain that? Like, how do you? you what know? do you, What do you think they're asking me when they say that? I, yeah, I don't think. I think watching the show you kind of think 
you just because you don't you don't see anyone becoming well you don't see that many people becoming mm. professional bakers yeah not professional um famous bakers yeah so you i was like what is it catering <laughs> Is it mostly catering? Because I thought, like, oh, my God, I can imagine a lot of people wanting to pay so much money. To they do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, they do. <laughs> they pay you lots of money. Actually you. No, actually, I'm quite reasonable. Customers, it was. What was the question? <laughs> okay, so I'll ask you another question. Yes. I always ask this on the podcast. Well, I've begun to ask this okay. on the podcast. Um, and it's based on a question that I asked uh, Westlife when I was 13 years old mm-hmm. and they okay. answered disappointingly oh no the pressure's on there's a huge pressure but don't worry it's not hard to say anything better than what they said so okay. <clears throat> what is the question you would most like for me to ask you and it's based on the fact you must be asked the same questions all the time mm-hmm. maybe there's something that you you just really want to talk about it. It doesn't have to be professional. Yeah. It could be just... I'm intrigued to know what Westlife's answer was to that. But they were just like, what's your favourite song? Like, I want... <laughs> like, I was, I was were you I obliged to say a Westlife song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we oh, you know that Five song? Oh, yeah, five Bad Boys, that one. I love that one. <laughs> oh, God. Because no, like, what I wanted, it's, my 13-year-old brain was like, some of, because they were doing press the, when I mm. met them they were doing press the entire day and I was like they'll have been asked every single question in the world mm. they must have something they're dying to talk about even if it's just oh my hobby is a miniature airplanes or oh, I'm just watching this show at the moment I really like it's just anything yeah. that you want to talk about so it's not you know but they yeah. were they didn't okay let me think about this Can we come back to it? I'm going to think yeah, about it and absolutely. then we come back to it. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Because <laughs> I kind of like the idea of... Do you ever have that where you just... You have something... Like... So, okay, so I'll, this is another kind of... This, another th- question in the same kind of category. So where are you at right now? In like, this very moment in your life, not career-wise, but like emotionally, life-wise, mm-hmm. where are you at right now? What's happening right now in your personal life? I always think that things can be better. That's just the kind of person that I am. Um, I think like a lot of people, things ebb and flow. There are times when I'm really excited about something. And then there are times where I'm just disappointed and not happy. (laughs) But I think as I'm getting older, I'm okay expressing that now. Whereas in the past, I would just kind of internalise it and just deal with it in my own way. But now, if something upsets me, I'm more inclined to actually say that I'm not comfortable with this. And I think in this particular moment, I'm actually really pretty happy with where things are going. Um, I think over the last kind of two years, it's been quite a learning lesson in terms of who you can trust and who's on your side. And I'm not just talking about professionally, I'm talking about personally too. And it's... I don't know. Like I said, I'm always looking that there's, things can always be better. I don't think I will ever say that I'm everything's perfect because what what does that even mean? I don't I don't have a definition of what perfect is because I mean what I think is perfect can be completely different to what you think is perfect. Um, but I would say that I'm in a good place right now. So when you say everything can get better, how much of that is I can always get better? Like I can always improve. I can always learn more about myself or is it external things that you may not have power over I think it's a combination of both Um, I think sometimes I one of the things that really disappoints me is when people have these empty promises that's just my biggest frustration is like oh we're going to do this you'll get to do this you'll get to do that and then nothing ever happens and I think the worst thing is when you put a lot of hard work and you're very passionate about something and it's like you're yelling, but nobody can hear you. Mm. I think that that's the kind of external stuff that I think is a big issue in my life. Um, but like I said, I'm all about creating my own things now. So I'm not heavily relying on other people. And I think that's the freedom that I have now. But it's not something that I was initially able to reconcile with. Um, but I think as I'm getting older, I'm, like, able to kind of 
<laughs> manage those kind of emotions. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. So let so you so talk about anxiety because you. Yeah. When did you start talking about that? Just recently. Very recently. Very recently. It's not. I think. So I, I made this video online talking about this particular issue that I felt was just not being spoken about, particularly within the South Asian community, particularly amongst men within the South Asian community. Um, and I felt as though I needed to say something because it, there was just lots of things going on in my mind. I just needed to kind of, even though I didn't reveal too much, I needed to kind of at least try and give some, some kind of context of why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And so I spoke about how I used to deal with social anxiety when I was younger which I think had a lot to do with not knowing where I fit in in the world because I, I think race has a lot to do with it. I mean, I, I, when I, w I left home, I, being at home was like being in a completely different environment than being out in the real world and kind of being this brown kid, this fat kid who wears a turban, you know, who stands out. And I think when you're younger, you, you don't want to stand out. You want to be a part of the cool kids you want to fit in with everyone and that was the source of a lot of the anxiety that I had and that um that affected me through not being able to communicate effectively with people because I just didn't know where I stood with anyone um and I think looking back at it now when I made that video my family was quite surprised by the things that I was saying and I was like well did you not realize that this was going on because like we lived together how did you not realize that this was happening <laughs> and they were like well we just thought that that's who you were that you was just a shy kid and I think there's a big difference between being a bit shy and actually struggling to answer the phone if somebody's calling you or you know seizing up when someone even a family member would ask you a question because that's what was happening to me um and I, th I think a lot of it had to do with not really knowing who I was. I don't know if I know who I am now, <laughs> but I think I, I'm able to kind of have a slightly better understanding of who I am. Um, but yeah, so I, I made that video and it got such a great reaction from people. Uh, I, I had emails from people all over the world actually saying, it's great that you're talking about this because, you know, I have these kind of issues too. Um, but I've never seen anyone speak about it, particularly people who are part of the same community that I'm part of. So it was beneficial in that sense. So that's the whole reason why I made it, because I needed an outlet to talk about what I need to talk about, but also open up the conversation for other people. And that's what happened. Yeah. Do you still sometimes suffer from it? Uh, no, I think it's pretty fair to say. Uh, there are times where I start questioning some of the, the decisions that I make and it can cause a bit of, I don't really want to call it anxiety, but I just think it's just like an uneasiness, I guess. Uh, but I think, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, like I said earlier, sometimes things are great. Sometimes things are not so great, yeah. but it's not as bad as it used to be. <laughs> it's so... I it's hard to d just define it, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel a bit, a tiny bit silly because like I'm so into fat activism and talking yeah. about fat issues and also I have anxiety <laughs> but I've, I've and also I've been in therapy for 10 years and I've yeah. never thought that the two were associated but it makes so much sense. Okay. Doesn't it? It does, it yeah. Makes, and like, because at the moment as I'm writing a book about fatness and one of the, the things that I'm diving into is how so fat in the eyes of society and most people mm -hmm. is either horrifically bad or something they completely ignore. Mm -hmm. So if people don't give you abuse, they pretend that it's not there. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the examples I mentioned is like being 14 and you're with all your thin friends and they say, oh, you can just wear my shirt. And you have to say, but I can't. And they're like, no, no, of course you can. Because they can't make themselves admit. Mm -hmm. You know, they just would rather close their eyes from it. Yeah. And that makes sense in terms of then internalizing that anxiety yeah. about well, are you not seeing me are you not are we ignoring what I am yeah so, yeah I'm just thinking out loud about this this makes a lot of no, sense no it does it does it comes from a when you're a bit of an if you've been a bit of an outsider or someone who didn't 
fit into a thing, then of, of course that makes you socially anxious. Yeah, but I think when you're that age, it could be a number of different factors that are causing it. I mean, I'm sure... I have I I strongly believe that there are other people who have experienced this but just don't know how to explain it and express it and I know that I'm struggling to explain it perfectly now but I but I yeah I I don't know looking back when I was a kid I I feel as though I just I didn't care what people thought but actually now when I look back I I really did which because I in, I didn't really understand what was happening to me I didn't know why I was having these feelings um but I I mean, I've I've gone to therapy as well, and I've spoken about all of these issues with the therapist. And yeah, I, I mean, I guess I still struggle to explain what it is. I think I will probably always struggle to explain what it is because unless you've gone through it, mm-hmm. it's hard to explain exactly why you're feeling the way you are feeling. And how, yeah, because it doesn't sound rational when you say, yeah. "Oh no, no, if, if I go on the bus and I don't sit in that seat that I need." I'll die. <laughs> like, I can't answer the... F- I know you want to make a very important yeah. phone call right now. I just... I can't. I can't mm. pick up. It's yeah. kind of hard explaining to people how oh, my entire life will fall apart if I answer the phone right now. But all I know is that I'm in a much better place now than I ever have been. And I'm definitely a lot more confident. I mean, I wouldn't have gone on a TV show <laughs> if, I, if I wasn't as confident as I am now. And I, I mean, like I said, I do a lot of public speaking now. So when eyes are on me, I actually like it when people are looking at me now. Whereas in the past, if I'm walking down the street and people will be staring at me thinking, oh, look, you know, pointing out obvious reasons, it wouldn't make me want to just duck my head and not make eye contact with anyone. Whereas now I just walk proudly with my head up, held up high, not caring if you're staring at me. Oh, well, stare at me all you want. I don't really care. <laughs> but it's taken me a while to get to that point. Um, and for some people, they might not ever get to that point. But I think having a discussion about it and speaking about the fact that that's a reality for some people, I think is really important, which is what my motivation is, um, particularly when it came to making that video. Was there a turning point from like when you started going to therapy, when it started getting better? Was there a moment where you like, oh, this, is, this needs to change? Um, I think it was a progression. It, it wasn't just like, oh, you just said that, therefore everything makes sense. It, it, it took me a while to get to that point. Um, but I think taking the moment to actually step back and analyse... For me, it was kind of analysing the effect that it was having on everybody else mm. because it does affect other people and it was affecting people who were in my life. I think taking that step back and actually... I don't want to say not be selfish because I don't think it is a selfish thing, but taking into consideration how other people are feeling too, it, it kind of made me realise that actually this is something that I really, really need to deal with. <laughs> because, I, I mean, the South Asian people, we just don't talk about depression and anxiety and mental health. It just never happens. And these are things that I never heard my parents ever mention. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope that people are able to, as a result of seeing that video, are able to have that conversation. And I know they are, because they've been reaching out to me. <laughs> Do you... Uh, so, what's the question? Um, well, first of all, what question would you most want me to ask you? <laughs> you can ask me... I still don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to be just like Westlife now. <laughs> going to be disappointing. Do you want to ask me about my favourite album? <laughs> What's your favourite album? <laughs> it's the first one, obviously. <laughs> Do you know, I can't even name a Westlife song. I'm so sorry. Get out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> what is it about Westlife? Oh, there's nothing anymore. Don't worry about it. Oh, is it? <laughs> all the, it's all that was 13. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a long time ago. But still hurts. Um. Well, well, what question do people not ask you that you would like people to ask you? That, I believe that's cheating. I think it's no. cheating right now. <laughs> I don't it's think cheating. it's cheating. You can't just turn it around. <laughs> I think it's fair. It's a really hard question. I know, it's very hard. That's why it's taking me forever to <laughs> come up with an answer. I, I'm sure by the end of our conversation, I'll have something. Oh, that's okay. 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 Oh. okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Okay, 
So think. So you just turned thirty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have seen your Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turned thirty. So what's uh, like in your personal life? Are you looking to start a family? Are you gonna like how is? Uh, well, in. Asian society, I guess. I think 30, I think, I don't know, people might consider it to be a bit past it in terms of like settling down and getting married or whatever. I think, um, I, 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 when I compare myself to my sister, for example, she really struggled with the idea of turning 30. Uh, and I know that a lot of people do because I think people have put these kind of ideas of where they would want their life to be at a certain milestone of age and I was totally fine with turning 30 um, even though I, I know that I can be a bit dramatic on my Twitter <laughs> which I was but I'm, I'm totally fine with it but I, I don't have that pressure I know that a lot of people my age who are a part of the South Asian community do have that pressure but I haven't grown up in that kind of environment, oddly. Even though my parents are still very traditional, um, there's never been that pressure. So, I'm okay <laughs> with that. So it's up to you? It's up to me, yeah. But do you want to? I, I, it's not really something that I think about, to be honest with you. It's, I think for me right now, my focus is just my career. And I think because it's taking a lot of energy, I, I, I literally just don't have the time. Where would that be? I mean, I'm, I'm open for it. Like, if you want to slide into my DMs, feel free. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's in my head because... This is going to sound dreadful, but, like, because Love Island is on television at the moment... Good God. Everyone's talking about relationships, and it's almost as if... Do you watch Love Island? I do. Oh, my don't, God. Don't, don't, don't do no, that. No, I'm not hating on that. I mean, I, it's because I've, I personally have never seen an episode of but Love Island. I haven't either. But then I watched one and now I can't stop. Because <laughs> it, so, it is so addictive. And I can't, I, can't rush, I can't justify it with... I've seen people try and be like... Please try and justify it. I've seen people try and be like, well, actually, it's about the gender construction. But it's not. Like, is it's it? trash. It's really trash. <laughs> but you just see these, these uh, patterns that you can sort of recognize from your own dating life or whatever you yeah. want to call it but it's like happening in this Barbie doll house mm -hmm. with these people who are not real <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who are just no one in the whole world actually looks like that and yeah. talks like that but it's it's funny because I'm because people are talking so much about relationships because of that show more and more people I've heard talk about how they're so okay with being single mm -hmm. which I didn't hear people say two or three years ago it can't be because of Love Island surely no, 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 no I do not I mean, it would make sense to watch that and go, I'm never, ever <laughs> touching that. No, but yeah. it's just, it just brought it to the, um, to the surface that a lot of people I know, maybe it's just me getting older, mm. maybe it's just people around the age of 30 who are a bit like, it's not the eager desperation you had when you were in your early 20s and you thought that that was your only source. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever had that feeling, though. I think I've always been... I've always been open to it, but it's not. It's never been a priority. I know that a lot of people do prioritize. You know, I want to be married. I want to have a kid before I'm thirty or whatever. But for, it's just never been a big deal for me. I don't know why that is. Is something wrong with me? I think there's something wrong with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> but don't tell them I said that. I won't. I won't. <laughs> um, still no question. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting to kind of get the... No, I don't know. I you I'm, just want to get... <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious to, to see if I think a... I've built it up too much now. You're going to be very disappointed. Oh, yeah. No, I'll definitely be disappointed. <laughs> but you know what? I'm used to it. It's because yeah. of Westlife. But, what, okay, but who else have you asked and you've been disappointed by? Oh, no, I have not. And everyone has actually delivered a really... Uh... Oh, God, the pressure's on. <laughs> People usually say really insightful, intelligent. Yeah. I've never not cried. And, uh, and answer this. I mean, no pressure, of course. Um, <laughs> so my now goal is to make you cry. <laughs> yeah, God. good luck. Good luck. Oh, we, no. In theory, all you have to do is bake a really pretty cake, and I'll be. Then you'll cry. Oh God, I should have bought something along with me. <laughs> I mean, Actually, that's another question that people often yeah. ask me. It's like, oh, where's my cake? As if I've got like a cake in my bag the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, 
would actually have been quite nice. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> next time, next time I'll bring you something. Then that would have certainly made you cry. <laughs> it really would have. Is there a difference between baking... Like, because I remember doing stand-up when money was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was just a hobby and I never thought I would ever make anything yeah. off of it. Till now when it's a career. Is there a difference between baking as a hobby for fun because you love it and then now when a lot of it is career-based? Mm. I think there are times when, say for example, if I'm working to a deadline, I think it could, it, sometimes I feel like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> Why can't I just be doing something else instead of stressing out over buttercream, of all things? Um, But I'm actually really grateful that it's part of my career because it's been something that I've been passionate about forever. And the fact that I'm able to make money from doing it, I think it's really validating. Because I think, like you, I I used to think there's no way that I would ever be able to make money off doing this. It is just a hobby. Um, But the fact that I, I am, it's... It just makes me feel as though all of the hard work is paying off in that sense, even though there are many other things that I would like to do. But to kind of have that passion turn into a job. I know that some people can often feel when something that you love turns into a job, it can make you start falling out of love with it because then it is something that is a job and that you have to kind of do nine to five and it becomes a bit repetitive. But because baking has a very creative side to it, I think that's where the joy and the passion comes from because it is like making edible art for people and like I said I bake and to to see the reaction from people when they receive something that you've made is it makes all of the stress over buttercream worthwhile (laughs) sometimes it can sound really superficial that I'm worrying over over buttercream when there are far more important things happening in the world like what I can't think of a single thing oh I know what could possibly be going wrong right now Do you get like stress dreams where you like you have like nightmares where you f- forget a cake in the oven or something's over or under baked or? Because um, no. I got that. And I had, I'm not even baking, but I got that from watching the show. <laughs> like, what was it that you were baking in your dream? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure it qualifies to be an actual thing, but it was something that was going wrong. <laughs> oh, I don't, no, not really. No, because I I hate to say it, but I I think I know what I'm doing now in the kitchen. <laughs> I think if I was asked to create something that I've never done before, I think that's when the stress comes in because then you just think, is it going to be good enough? Um, particularly a friend of mine, this is actually a Danish thing. I was asked to make, I can't even know, remember what it's called, but it's this shoe pastry man thing that you have on a birthday. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it has this brown sugar thing yeah. on it. Yeah, oh, it's Bonsvier. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, we, that's what we make little <laughs> tiny men out of, and then you put sweets on as hair and stuff. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. The one. So it has like a brown sugary on top yeah. of the like a vanilla kind of sponge. Thing. That's exactly it. Bonsphere. Yeah. So it's I, the best cake in the whole world. See, I was asked to make that, even though like you know certain elements to it, because I've never made that particular thing before. I think that's when the stress comes in. So when you're when I'm trying something new, it's always, oh my god, I don't know. But if you I made do it. it. Yeah, I made Did you it. like it? Did you taste it? I didn't. I made it for somebody else, and they seemed to like it. It's so, so. good. It's hard to get wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, it's I'm really not, easy, and you're worrying about nothing. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. Yeah, buy the mix in the store, and you just put some water in. I don't buy no store mix. Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> I'm just going to write down. I don't buy no store mix because that will. Is that the title? That's going to be the title. So that is genius. <laughs> <laughs> Of, the, of all the things you could judge me on. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Right, so, um, a penultimate question. So what can, what can food do? What's the magic behind food? Like what, can, what positive change can food make? Well, since I've been recording this podcast, it's, I, I speak to people who have had... I'll say that again. So ever since I've been filming a record... Ever since I've... <laughs> What's going on? I can't talk all of a sudden. I think I'm thrown off by the fact that you thought I would buy store mixed cake. I think that's what's happening. It's just so easy. It you is just so put water in, God, and then you just. I couldn't think of anything worse. Doing <laughs> a bit of a snob right now. I am. I've turned into a cake snob. Store bought cake is actually pretty good. 
<laughs> I'm not making any faces. I'm yeah, you're going to ask to edit that out later. Like, I, can't, I cannot be on any recording. I can't be that. associated with Storm Mix, Kate. Uh, no, so since I've been recording this podcast, I've been meeting people where food has had a huge impact on their life. So, for example, I've met with Syrian refugees who have who are part of a community kitchen where they use their skills through food to teach other people and make money um and i mean that's a huge impact right there um i i spoke to uh, somebody who uh, there's a, a coffee shop pop-up that happens that's exclusively for people who suffer from mental health uh, to kind of see how coffee and food is impacting them so i i, I mean for me with, with, with this particular show it's all about having a meaningful discussion about food rather than oh how many grams of this do you need to make that cake um but i think food can have a huge impact on people's lives and i've seen it firsthand now um and i i know i can be quite superficial with the fact that i'm being snobbish about shop-bought cake uh but i think I, I think in general, the food industry can be quite snobbish, particularly when it comes to food entertainment industry, food writing in particular. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> and I think often people can feel excluded and not part of that club. And um, because, yeah, I mean, just the slightest thing. I mean, there are people, I spoke to somebody who used to be anorexic, who had this deep hatred of food and has been able to kind of turn that around. But to speak to somebody who literally hated food, which is quite an an odd thing for someone to say, because, you know, I'm somebody who loves food. I'm sure food is a part of everybody's life. But to speak to somebody where food has had a negative impact on somebody, it, it kind of opened your eyes that actually through food, there are all of these different experiences. Um, and I th- food has impacted my life. It impacts everybody's life. And I think everybody's got a story behind the food that they create. And that's the message that I want to kind of get across and allow people to share. Because it isn't this kind of... Not everything is, oh, happy and wrapped in... Or dusted with icing sugar, shall we say. There are some real stories out there. And that's my mission over the next few months and year to kind of share those stories. And that's my my goal ultimately and what's your food story well for me i i mean there are many stories i mean food getting into the kitchen and baking for me was a great stress reliever there you go and you know as somebody who suffered from mental health baking is something that's helped me with that because it kind of puts my focus on creating something and you know i I know that i've spoken to people who have suffered from mental health issues and having a creative side to them helps that helps them manage that side of it and me having that creative side through my baking has helped me deal with that but also being comfortable with who I am and what I look like has been a big part of my food journey as it were um yeah I mean I think yeah I, I I think food for me has been quite a difficult subject matter because I, even though I'm, I still consider myself to be a fat person now, I used to be significantly larger. Um, and I used to be, oh, I can't, well, anyway, I was significantly larger, but kind of, I had this kind of strange relationship with food and the fact that I was able to kind of still love food, but in a different way, and kind of managed to turn that around into something more positive, I think I think that's where my food journey is, if there were. I mean, there are many different roads on this journey, shall I say, <laughs> when it comes to food. Okay, so <clears throat> we're running out of time now. So I want to ask okay. you the last question. Okay. And there's, there's a question you want me to <laughs> ask you. Okay, ask me about... <laughs> Okay, ask me about my experiences through my travels. <laughs> <laughs> Is that disappointing? <laughs> what are your experiences through travel? Nothing much, really. Okay, cool. Okay. So the last question... <laughs> 
But what kind of travels? What do you mean? No, I'm just traveling the world, I guess. <laughs> or shall we say emotional travels, you know? Oh, emotional travels. <laughs> what means the most to you? Emotional, oh, Joe, I feel really travel. disappointed now that I've disappointed you with this question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you can make it up for, to me by making a Bundeswehr. Oh, okay, I will A little do. man with um, sweets. But it has yeah. to be Danish sweets. It's for the face. Oh, I must have done it wrong then. I oh, didn't use Danish use sweets. sweets. Yeah. It was, a, it was a Danish-British fusion, shall we say. I'm going to do my, my Paul Hollywood impression now. <laughs> it's spot on. You might be scared. That's very disappointing. There you go. So. <laughs> okay. I'm not really good with accents, but I think that's how it sounds. You have a soggy bottom. That was spot on, See, I have to say. I, 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 just, I had a moment where I thought that you were Paul Hollywood. <laughs> I almost thought I was. It's very scary. So, the last question that I always ask is this. So, uh, you are in the delivery room, and you've just been born. Okay. Yeah, no, wait, wait, it gets, it gets better. I'm like eye-rolling right now. Like, what's going on? You right now are in the delivery room, holding yourself as a baby. Okay. And teeny tiny... No, don't give me that. <laughs> don't give me attitude about this. And teeny tiny uh, Rav is crying because everything's scary. He was just in the womb. Now he's out and there's lights and sounds everywhere and it's very terrifying. And you know the next 30 years is going to be full of lights and sounds, but mm-hmm. it won't be lights and sounds. It'll be scary things like uh, feeling excluded and social anxiety and there's a lot of things that's going to feel very terrifying. But you can say something to little Rav to maybe make him feel less scared less sad you can't change the future that's not a thing but you can maybe say something about the next 30 years that'll make him feel better if that is what you want what would you say to teeny tiny baby you I will say that your life isn't going to be perfect there are going to be times where you're going to be upset there are going to be times when you might want to cry just like you are now but things are going to get better. You will find your happiness eventually. I'm speaking this to myself now as well, because I don't know if I... I mean, just like what your podcast is about, I mean, do we all know who we are? Um, What makes us us? But continue to fight. Continue to be you. Don't ever be ashamed of who you are. And... Every single thing that you will have doubts about in your teenage years, when you're a child, are things that you are going to be celebrated for and what people are going to love you for. So stick in there and always have a smile on your face and you'll be able to change the world. Amazing. Thanks so much for doing this. Do you want to pack your podcast? Sure, yeah, why not? Plug, plug everything. Where can people find you? Okay, so my podcast is called Take a Bite. It's not going to be released until September, so keep an eye out. Uh, and you can follow me on social media at Rav S. Bansal. That's R A V S B A N S A L. Um, and um, I have a website called ravbansal.com, which is currently under construction, but will have lots of delicious recipes for you to follow along to. So, and your yeah. Instagram? Instagram as well. So all of, across all social media, it's Rav S. Bansel. Um, so Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's loads of delicious pictures of cakes over on in my Instagram. So you might just gain four stone by just looking at the pictures, but that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, wasn't he great? I know I have probably referred to him as Rav and Rav and all sorts of weird pronunciations. I'm sorry. It is it is very hot in London is how I'm going to excuse my uh, my gentle uh, insensit- insensitiveness. Um, yeah, thank you to Rav for doing this. And do what you usually do. Go and tweet him and thank him for being on the podcast. That means everything to me when I when people get back to me and say that uh, they've been tweeted at by the listeners uh, telling them nice things that's that's what makes you special so thank you for doing that uh, thank you for all of your support the tweeting the giving us a five-star review on iTunes all of those things it, it means everything 
<clears throat> and thank you to the people who are patrons. Now, if you want to become a patron, you can absolutely do that, and I will love you forever. You go to patreon.com forward slash Mopart. You can also find the link through madeofhumanpodcast.com, and uh, you decide what amount you want to give per episode. It's a really nice thing. It keeps this podcast going, and I will basically... Um, squeal every time I get an email saying you got a new patron I'm like yes oh it's so nice I love you people so much if you give more than five dollars per episode you can become a friend of the podcast meaning oh oh someone just drove past playing some uh really cool rap music <laughs> yeah uh, so if you give more than five dollars per episode uh, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning that I will say your name out loud at the end of the episode. Now, some of these are pre-recorded, so if you just recently became a patron, uh, I may not mention your name for another couple of uh, weeks, but you will be mentioned eventually. Uh, but as for now, I just want to thank these incredible people who are friends of the podcast, who give more than $5 per episode, whose names I will never, ever forget. I want to thank Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Wingrith, Phil Vabalas, Katrina Ellingson, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, Helen Bowie, Marbles Lost, Rachel Phillips, Morak Fraser, Josefina Larsen, uh, Rachel oh. S. Stop it. Nina Collingwood, <laughs> Mia Rainey, Claire McCowlin, Paul Swaddle, Sarah Allett, Ronya Ronya, Robert Lee Ken, Kat Posey, Ragdoll, Quincy, Jessica, Sheena Machette, Cole, Jane Mahoney, Mansour Mia, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Joe C, Perpetual Motion, uh, Harry Minute, Cecil Fjeldtun, Rachel Hemsey, Murray Fraser, Lucy, uh, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Reen, Ruth Harvey, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappa, Karen Trethaway, Russell Hughes, Ina Sugo Larsen, Inga Ellingson, Emma Chan, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferrer, Igerseth, and Daniel Reifersheed. <gasps> All wonderful people. I will never forget you. I will be grateful forever. I want to thank uh, a big thank you to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artists Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next Wednesday. Bye! Bye!